Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm Louis Friedberg, Executive Director of EdSource. And I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large at EdSource. Welcome, John. Thanks, Louis. This week, we're going to take a closer look at the California School Dashboard, which is being welcomed by most people involved in education as really a leap forward in how we evaluate and assess how schools and students are doing. And uh, we're going to be taking a closer look at the dashboard, which is hugely different from the Academic Performance Index. That's the old API, which was really based almost entirely on test scores that the state phased out a couple of years ago. But it is going to take getting used to, and it is important that anybody who cares about schools really take a close look at this and see how it's working and give feedback to the state. So this could be really useful. To that end, we did ask Carrie Hanell, who is the Deputy Director of Research and Policy at Education Trust West. We wanted to get her thoughts on how she feels the dashboard is looking now that it's actually up and running. We are an advocacy organization that cares about equity, and we really believe that data empowers people to make decisions about their schools and their communities. And so the fact that we have more data about our schools and how they're performing is a good thing. We're happy to see multiple measures replace us a very narrow system. We still have questions about how it looks, how it's being used, whether it's really accessible to all the stakeholders we believe it needs to be made accessible to. Let's just start with that, how it looks. What are you referring to there? Well, there are multiple colors and indicators on the dashboard, and we have questions about whether they're clear to everybody, whether they understand what those colors and icons mean, whether it's clear what the indicators themselves mean, um, how we're measuring things like academic achievement. I think we should treat this as a first draft and continue to work on it, gather feedback from our communities, particularly parents and educators, those most impacted by our schools, and figure out what we can do to take it to the next level. Okay, so you also mentioned you had concerns about how it's being used. What were you referring to there? Well, we've heard a lot about how the dashboard should be used by districts and county offices to determine what needs to be done to improve those indicators and and subgroups that are in the red or the orange. The red and the orange is kind of at the lower end of the performance scale. The red and orange would signal that there are problems, and and districts that have subgroups in that range are the ones identified for assistance. So what we're hearing is that the dashboard is being used by those districts and the counties supporting them to target supports. What we don't know yet is whether the dashboard is being used by all school districts and all schools and by the stakeholders in those communities. A superintendent is an important stakeholder, as is the county office supporting the school district, but what about the parent or the community group or the students and educators in those schools themselves? Are they using it? Do they know about it? How are they gonna use it to make better decisions in their local communities? Let me ask you about that because are school districts required to post this on their website? I mean, how do parents or other people actually find this thing. I mean, right now it's it's just on the California Department of Education website. EdSource also has a database, we, so you can find it there. But uh, it's not that accessible to the masses at the moment, at least that's the way it looks to us. Yeah, I think I would share that, that concern. You know, I think we need to get to a point where when a parent 
or a community member is looking for information about a school, the first place they go is the California School Dashboard. I think that's an aspirational goal and one that we haven't yet achieved. There are other resources out there, other websites that parents still go to. So I think that begs the question, what is the state doing to make sure it's intentionally reaching out to to parents to make sure that they know about this and are using it? So Carrie, the key link here, I think, for improvement is through the local control and accountability plan that districts have. Mm -hmm. They are supposed to flag those that are red and orange on the LCAP so that all parents and people in the community see that and then direct their plan for improvement. Isn't that sort of the key link between the dashboard and districts? That's the idea. If a subgroup is in the red or orange, or if there are significant gaps between subgroups, the district is supposed to address that in their LCAP. That's a new piece that was added this past year. I think it's pretty early and we haven't yet seen how it's been used. So Carrie, you've had a chance to look at other states to see what their report cards are like. Have you seen things, aspects that are better than you've seen with the dashboard and ways that California can improve? And what states do you like? That's a great question. We have the benefit of being part of a national organization, the Education Trust, and through that relationship, we've looked at other states' Every Student Succeeds Act plans, their state plans that they have to submit to the U.S. Department of Education, and also are familiar with some of their other states' accountability report cards. One of the things I like and and see as a best practice is combining the accountability information with other report card information. In states like the District of Columbia, you see that they're reporting both accountability information, information on which schools are getting assistance, in the same web portal as all of their report card information, information about courses and facilities and so on. I also like Ohio's report card. They report summary information on each indicator, but they also provide more detail. And I think that's something California could consider, not just reporting that graduation rates are green, but reporting that the graduation rate was 92% and is meeting expectations. Yeah, right now we just know green is good, so it implied that that's what you should do, but it's really not clear, do you think? I don't think it's clear to those who are not in this bubble that we're in. I think most parents and stakeholders understand what a graduation rate is and could look at the number on the front page, not just the color. I think when we lean on the colors, it's also potentially misleading. Academic achievement, for instance, a school can have half of its students meeting standards and get a green. And I think the green communicates to parents that things are okay, whereas 50% meeting standards may communicate something very different. So what suggestions do you have? I know that the state board is open to changing it. What do you suggest that they do? I suggest they go on a listening tour and get deep feedback from communities and a variety of stakeholders that are using this. Yes, administrators, but also those in schools, educators and parents and community members. These are the people who are going to be working to improve schools. They should be offering feedback. And I think I would suggest the department ask the questions in open-ended ways that really elicits reactions to the report card and the, the dashboard more generally and not closed response questions that get at very technical items. Just the last question. Uh, There's a tendency amongst advocates, I also throw journalists into into that mix, and others to always look for things that are not working. That's a noble approach. But at the same time, this is a huge change from what we had before, and a huge amount of work went into this. On the whole, do you think this is a positive step forward? I think it is a step in the right direction. I think there are some things that are working very well. We've added a chronic absence indicator with really 
rich information underneath that that allows us to look, for instance, at how students of color who are also boys or who are also foster youth are doing. I think that's important. We're starting to look at college and career readiness. That's a great step forward. I think what the state needs to do is really listen to the needs of the community it's trying to serve and ensure that it's transparent, that it's clear, and that it prioritizes equity. We've been listening to Carrie Hanel from Education Trust West. Thanks for talking with us today. Thank you. John, any thoughts on what Carrie had to say? Anything to add? California has a very ambitious and different approach to school accountability. So the dashboard itself is both the system of rating on multiple measures, and it's also its presentation. And I think today we're focusing on presentation. Is it working to for parents and for others who go to that site and try to understand how their school district and student groups are performing? Because it is pretty complex. I mean, the state made a decision to try to really assess schools on more than one measure, not just test scores. And so now you've got multiple measures. And then also they wanted to measure both how students are doing or schools are doing right now this year, and then also how much they've improved, and then combining that. So you actually have a combined rating, and that can sometimes come up with some screwy colors on this uh, dashboard. Well, I wouldn't call it screwy, but a little bit nuanced. So in other words, if you're performing at green level, say, if you're, you're doing Which is, well. Which is, that's the top end, or almost the top end, right? That's the goal, is to get, so get to green. But at the same time, you decline significantly from the year before in whatever measure we're talking about, whether suspension rates or grad rates or scores, you may end up with a yellow. So it's a combination of And factors. yellow is one below green, right? Exactly. That's sort of mm-hmm. the average, right? So, you know, it takes a little getting used to because we agreed that What's important is not just how well you're doing, which is what traditional systems do, but whether you're making progress, because that's important too. It's also pretty complicated to find the test scores, I mean, particularly at the high school level, because those scores are going to be integrated or included as part of this college and career readiness indicator, which will be posted. When will that be, John? Well, the college and career indicator's first-year results are there, but it takes two years to get a color because you need change too. So it will be part of that next year. The board made that decision not to include the same result in two indicators. So yeah, you're right. There are a lot of people saying, show me the 11th grade scores. It's really important, but it's really just a factor in another indicator. And it's not just the 11th grade scores. It's that's supposed to represent sort of the whole high school level. They only You're only tested once. That's right. At the high school level. So for people looking to see how a student's doing at the high school level, it's not immediately obvious how you find that out. No, it's not. You'd have to go to the state site for that. But then there'll be some really interesting factors. There are interesting factors as part of, of the college and career readiness indicator. And that's a, one of the exciting developments we look forward to next year. Okay. Well, I think... This is a, an exciting time for California in, in now that it's actually launched this dashboard. But I think it also requires some real honest feedback that those of you listening out there and others who may not have been involved in the conversation around this dashboard, that you really provide the honest feedback to the state. 
Not only that, it's an ambitious project, and I think the state needs to look at what other innovations are out there. So already, Riverside County, Riverside Unified, it's coming up with its own version, and it's different, and it's interesting, and there will be other innovations, and we should look and see what other people are doing and improve it, not only what we hear from parents, but what others actually have improved. Kerry did talk about the 228 districts that the dashboard identified as needing assistance from the state to work with different student subgroups. But one of the interesting things about the 228 districts is that two-thirds of them were identified for assistance because of the low performance of their special ed kids. There were some significant developments last week at the California Commission on Teacher Credentialing around special ed teachers. And John, you wrote about that this week in EdSource. Yes, it really was coincidental with the release of a dashboard. But uh, this is a subject that's been long in coming. It's been four years in taking a look at how those who work with students with disabilities are taught. And, you know, back four years ago, the superintendent, Tom Torlickson's task force recommended changes. And two years ago, there was another task force that Linda Darling-Hammond, who is chairs of the California Credentialing Commission on Teaching, and Mike Kirst, the president of the state board, they were very interested. So this is a culmination of a lot of work. Basically, special education teachers are taught differently from general education teachers. Now, general education are those who are teaching sort of regular classes, right? That's right, academic mm-hmm. classes, and they get you know credentials to do that. Special education teachers have not been required to take a lot of things that that general ed teachers take. They take pretty specialized classes and courses focusing on special ed That's right. And it was created that way about 20 years ago because there was a shortage. So they said, let's hurry up and get some special ed teachers into the classroom. So it was very specific to teaching students with disabilities. So the approach that the commission has taken is that all teachers need the same foundation courses and instruction and techniques and classroom management so that all teachers can deal with kids with special needs So it will be more rigorous and broader education for special ed teachers. And finally, you know, they have not been able to teach in general ed courses because they haven't had this training. This training, which will include more student teaching and also a subject exam, they'll be able to teach co-equally with general education teachers for the first time in 20 years. John, this all sounds like a great way to go and a step forward in terms of really making sure that both general ed or regular teachers know how to work with special ed teachers and special ed teachers can work with other teachers. Uh, So all kids are reached. You don't have these silos. Exactly. But uh, you're also talking about sort of making it more rigorous to get this special ed credential and sounds like perhaps more courses. Isn't this going to scare off people who want to become special ed teachers? And we desperately need more special ed teachers. That's certainly not the hope. There will be perhaps more courses that will be required. They haven't determined what courses will be, but it comes at a time when we are now going back to where college students will be able to get a bachelor's degree and a teaching credential in four years. That too hasn't happened in California in more than four decades. And I think the hope is that bringing special education teachers into the mainstream and having them feel more comfortable and confident in what they're teaching will actually curb the turnover, which is a big deal with special education teachers. And this affects large numbers of kids in California. Isn't it about one in 10 kids are classified as special ed or students with disabilities? That's absolutely true. One of the hopes is that in having special education teachers in mainstream classes too, and having general education 
teachers being able to identify and work with students with various disabilities, you can identify students with learning issues earlier and intervene earlier, and that could make a difference in the long run in terms of how many special education students there are. Well, I know this issue of special ed teachers has been something that's become a huge challenge for the state, so it is exciting to see this issue being taken on, and we will be following it closely. That just about wraps it up for this week in California education. I want to, once again, urge those of you who like the podcast, who like what we do at EdSource, to make a contribution. Any dollar that you donate will be matched dollar for dollar. So I encourage you to go to our website and make a donation really easy. It won't take you more than a minute or two. I also want to thank Sarah Tan, our producer, the S.D. Bechtel Jr. Foundation, which is underwriting this podcast. And thanks to all of you for all your great work on behalf of kids in California. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Music